Welcome to the PLMR podcast. My name's Neve Mercer and I'm an account manager at PLMR. On this month's episode, I was joined by one of PLMR's planning specialists, Rebecca Wakefield, and Charlotte Morfitt, co-founder of Women in Planning and principal planning officer at the London Borough of Waltham Forest. We discussed the main issues women are facing in the sector, what challenges lie ahead and what positive changes are already underway to help planning become as diverse and inclusive as possible. So if I can ask you both to just give a bit of a background as to who you are and also how you got into the industry. So it'd be great to hear first from you, Charlotte. Yeah, hi. Um, So as you said, um, outside of work, I run a national network called Women in Planning um, with my two friends, Mary Fortune and Alison Mackay. Um, But that's not my day job. Um, My day job is working for the London Borough of Forest as a principal policy planner um, what that means is that I work on the local plan, which is the strategy for development and growth uh, across the borough for the next 15 years, and we're looking at refreshing that at the moment. So that, that is um, my day job. I'm, I have a particular focus on employment, housing, and culture at the moment. Um, but how I got into planning and property, um, I, I definitely fell into it. I'm one of those ones that didn't really know about it until I got past my undergraduate. So. I'd always been interested in places and the history of places and how they work, um, but I actually studied art history first, but I did have a quite a strong focus on my undergraduate in studying um, architecture and um, the history of architecture and the history of, of places through art history. Um, but yeah, I, I really stumbled into planning, I have to admit. Um, I'm, I'm not one of these people that, <laughs> that sort of wanted to be a planner from the beginning. There are, there are some like that, but... Um, I actually think, you know, the property industry needs those people that stumble upon it because I think when you do stumble upon something like planning or property, you generally fall in love with it and and you don't really want to leave the industry and it it means that we've actually got quite a lot of diversity and you get a wider range of skill sets from having people that possibly got a slightly different um, interest or different lens in which they see things. Absolutely. That's how I got into it. And what about you, Rebecca? Um, What attracted you to work in the sector and kind of what's your background been? Yeah, so I'm kind of the same, really. Sort of uh, fell into uh, planning comms, really. So I uh, work in the Snapdragon London office. We are a built environment, um, political strategy, uh, communications agency. And so my work on planning projects is more from the uh, communications um, politics and engagement side of things, uh, which is very exciting. I sort of really like the people element of the job and, you know, me- meeting lots of new people and that side of things. Um, but yeah, I sort of fell into it. I have quite a few family members that are planners. I've worked sort of local authority and development side. And I think I was always kind of interested in, in what they did and the kind of the things that they came back from work and told me that they'd been up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did temping for one of them uh, just after I left uni, really. Uh, and they took me along to a public exhibition. I was like, oh, okay, fine, I'll spend my evening here. <laughs> and then um, really, really enjoyed it and sort of saw what uh, people did in, in my sort of element of the sector and... Um, then I went on to try and find sort of a, an agency that I could join and started submitting my CVs that way. Um, so, yeah, kind of learn about my specific job in the sector quite late on, uh, really, um, which I think is one of the things that 
I think we'll end up talking about a bit later, but how do we get people interested in the sector earlier on and try and encourage a wider, diverse range of people um, into the industry um, and make sure that people aren't finding it sort of slightly later on in their careers, I guess. Of course. So um sounds like you both kind of work in maybe slightly different spaces within the sector. So what would you both say that your experience has been, have been um, on how the sector has changed during your time working in it? If we can go back to Charlotte. Yeah, I, I, I must also sort of admit that both my mum and dad are planners as well. But, um, <laughs> Runs in the as family. a disinterested child, <laughs> I didn't ever really listen to what they were saying or doing um, mm. uh, necessarily. But also, I, they, they moved out of planning probably when um, I was old enough to understand really what they were up to. So mm. um, I definitely think I have sort of been um, forced on certain holidays related to with planning themes that I knew my sister probably didn't realise at the time and then it sort of all clicked in when I did my master's so I, I, I should admit that and I I mean I, I've i only been in the sector for, for 10 years which in planning and property doesn't feel like very long there are a lot of people that have been in the sector for like 40 years or wow. 30 years yeah. and a lot longer and um, but I mean, in terms of, of diversity and inclusion, when I started out, we only really discussed women and how many of them were there. And I think over the last 10 years, and particularly over the last um, three or four, um, we're more openly discussing equality, diversity and inclusion within the industry and the sector as a whole. And we've sort of started to see that backed up by action by quite a lot of the big consultancy firms and we've got new groups such as BAME in property, real estate balance, whereas before it was only really women in property and women in planning. Mm. And so I think there's quite a lot of positive change going on in terms of um, how we um, address um, equality and diversity and inclusion within within the industry. And I think also the, the conversation around women has really changed. So it's not just like, oh yes, we've got more women um, coming in. It, we're starting to have a more nuanced conversation about how many of them are in leadership positions um, and um, if there's not enough, why? And what we can do to support women um, sort of rising through the ranks and, and breaking the glass ceiling. Mm. Whereas before it used to be like, there's lots of women coming in at university, great, um, that w- job done. Mm-hmm. And then that wasn't really yeah. translating to them being within... Um, the planning or property industry and you know you then find that they go oh well, we had lots come from university or we have loads of women join that um the grad intake um I don't understand why they're not here now and you know or I don't understand why they're only at senior planner level um or senior surveyor level and I think we're starting to sort of see people try and understand what some of the issues are and that and that's a big change I think that is a big change um I mean that's not that's a change really in the private sector that I've seen I think in the public sector it's different um they've possibly been looking at some of these challenges for a lot longer um definitely because I've just started a PhD on uh, looking at women planning and leadership there's there's definitely a lot more um, around this and these challenges from the 90s and the 80s in the public sector um, that were discussed then that possibly aren't really discussed anymore. Um, but whether or not 
and part of my research will look at whether the public sector is doing as well as you might think it is and whether the private sector is doing as bad as we might think it is just to sort of have a bit more analysis and research on actually what's going on on the ground yeah sounds great yeah um, yeah Rebecca has that kind of your been your experience yeah I'd say so and I think doing a bit of uh research around some stats ahead of the podcast and sort of having a look at uh, a report done by Real Estate Balance, who are sort of an association of female leaders from across the industry. And they uh, surveyed, I think, almost a 1,000 people in 2009. And uh, I think 40% of those people thought there'd been sort of a behavioural change at their company um, compared to sort of 31% people saying the same thing in 2017. So I think there definitely has been a, a shift. And I mean, there certainly needs to be. And I think one of the big questions just going back to Charlotte's point is why exactly are those women leaving before they get to you know those more senior roles and I think the same real estate balance report said something like 22% of women were at board level had board level jobs and 30% were in senior leadership and you just sort of see those and think why what is stopping those women getting to those points and uh, you know I think there are a number of issues that women in the industry particularly face but I think one of the big uh, things I've been noticing uh, again in the similar sort of way to Charlotte really I've been doing this for maybe almost eight years and still feel quite quite junior uh, in comparison to some people that have been you know 30 40 years when you head over to networking events and whatever but uh, I think one of the things I've really noticed is uh, it's very rare now for me to be the only woman in the room and when yeah, I, I first when I first started I would say, I mean, it's very different being a junior woman in comparison to a, a, you know, a woman that's leading an aspect of a project or, you know, very experienced. But I think it's, yeah, it's very rare for me to be the only woman in the room. And I quite like that now. Like, it does feel much nicer to go into these boardrooms. And not that, uh, you know, the men around the table weren't saying interesting things or weren't doing interesting things. But it immediately makes you feel like an odd one out. And I think I'm definitely feeling that much less. Um, and it's great to see more women coming through, uh, not just in sort of planning and architecture, but also the engineering side of things, more of the technical aspects of um, the work. So I think obviously a lot's been done around sort of the STEM side of things and making sure that women are going into different types of roles. Um, so yeah, I think that would be my one, my big sort of notice is that it's le- it, fit, it has less of a an old old boys club vibe the industry as a whole which Mm. you know can only be a good thing yeah of course so kind of thinking then about maybe what barriers that women might face kind of coming into the industry um you know at the time of recording this podcast it's full coronavirus you know self-isolation stay home as much as you can there'll be a lot of you know I've read an article about how the coronavirus is really a challenge for feminism and a lot of things in that sort of way because female might be more typically the ones who are kind of doing childcare and issues around that so um whilst it's been clear that flexible working has become more common and you know currently in some cases very necessary um do you think this is going to be a trend we continue to see in your sector and it'll have you know be, be helpful to women coming into the sector or what other what other barriers do you think that women might be facing at this time don't know if either yeah, of you would like so to I, that. yeah yeah and um, I would just echo what Rebecca said first of all about like the fact not being the only 
women in the room now and actually being invited to meetings and meeting the women that are on the emails as well that never used to happen yeah that's always when great I started, <laughs> yeah um, and that's actually why we set up women in planning eight years ago so it kind of ties into when you you started out in the industry um i do think there's lots of positives coming out of the the working from home i think there'll be a lot more trust um between managers and their teams that you can effectively work from home and you can work with people effectively um, from a distance and mm-hmm. that there is um, at the moment until the teenagers break the di- internet as far as I can see um, <laughs> the technology is working I haven't had any issues um, really I had one issue with Teams today Microsoft Teams where it's set off like two to, um, we're having to reinstall a complete Wi-Fi network in our house because ours is awful so <laughs> yeah yeah I think yeah it depends it does. It does depend. Microsoft Teams opened up two two team meetings today, and we're not quite sure why. But um, <laughs> generally, everything seems to be working quite well. Um, however, it, uh, I am interested to see how it's going to translate back into the offices because the reason I think it's working so well at the moment is everybody is doing it together. So you're all using the video conferencing, and I I, I do wonder how it, it's going to translate back, and when probably only some of us come back. Some people might fall in love with working at home <laughs> and not want to come back. And they might be allowed to um, carry on, like, working from home and having that, that flexibility. Um, I do think I do think it also demonstrates that, that, that those people with caring responsibilities can work flexibly and can deliver. Mm-hmm. But I am worried about burnout for, for parents yeah. who are sort of having to try and do everything at once but what I've I've been seeing and in one of my managers that her and her husband are splitting the childcare responsibilities like so um, quite quite fairly sometimes he'll do the morning because he needs to work in the afternoon or sometimes um she'll work in the morning and he'll look after the kids mm-hmm. kids then or whatever like it, 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 it that that sort of sharing seems to be happening quite a lot but um in our in our industry and i can see that from sort of twitter and from um linkedin from posts that everyone's got um the worrying thing about this working from home for me though is for the more junior um people in the industry the sort of younger planners and property professionals that if they're in a house share they do not have um a good access to somewhere to yeah. work mm-hmm. or they're having to share really small spaces um, mm-hmm. with their partners. I'm lucky that my partner um, doesn't need an office um, to do his work. So I've got the spare bedroom to myself to work. But if he needed to work as well, one of us would either be working in the kitchen slash sort of living room or in mm-hmm. the bedroom. And then that sort yeah. of slightly starts to erode your sense of space absolutely from, from work. much harder to switch yeah, off you know without the clear separation yeah and i think there might be some for some people there might end up being some sort of mental health repercussions of sort of feeling overwhelmed that everything is everything like work is work and home are the same thing and mm-hmm. it just, yeah that, that there is a worry about that but i'm i'm personally loving the video conferencing <laughs> and being able to see people and um uh, and I'm really excited because women planning going to look to do do some virtual events, and actually, that's something really positive that's coming out of it. Is that 
um, being at home at the moment testing out this technology, it does mean that for some places, so say like the southwest region, it's massive in Mm -hmm. England, it's huge, and all the events happen in Bristol, but there are all these other sort of satellite places that want to join in, and so we might be able to offer events that are able to be virtual and therefore people in far off parts of um, the network can join and right. feel like they're more part yeah. of the network than they are at the moment and I, I do think that's quite exciting for a lot of different event and network providers out there in property that will be able to be even more connected and people will be able to access things for wherever they're working and I do think that that, that will be quite exciting especially for the public sector where you can sort of be working in, in yeah. very remote authorities mm-hmm. um, yeah. But I also think Good. professionally and um, personally, I mean, you end up trying to uh, schedule meetings with friends and you can't see them. Well, now you can just video conference them from your living room. And <laughs> my um, my mum and her partner live in Berlin and my brother lives up in Leeds. And we've had dinner sort of twice this week together. It's been it's been quite nice. Quite so, nice. <laughs> personally, I think it's um quite a, it's quite a good advancement in technology and. Uh, definitely something that we can be using uh, professionally much more moving forward. Um, personally, I thought I would really struggle with the idea of working from home. I'm a big fan of people and interaction. I think that's one of the reasons I really like doing my job. And I thought that working from home, I'd be so isolated by myself. But it's actually been really nice. I think video conferencing in particular, actually mm. seeing people and uh, interacting with them yeah. um, rather than just being on the phone is much more beneficial. And also, the idea is, so the advancement, obviously, one uh, big part of my role is engagement and making sure that people give their feedback on planning applications. And one thing that we've noticed with sort of video conferencing software and the improvements in uh, the technology available allows a much more um, engaged digi- digital consultation. And we're currently talking to a lot of clients about how we can make sure that consultation and uh, planning uh, proposals uh, in their entirety really keep moving forward and I think I mean that's maybe more of a concern about the industry more widely and as we're in sort of COVID-19 times but I think it's really important that we make sure that people are still uh, moving forward with applications and that engagement can still continue and I think it's really good that we're in a digital age that we can still use all these platforms and all of these this technology to make sure that we're still talking to people and interacting with people of um, course. more on the like flexible working side of things I think I couldn't agree more with Charlotte that um, it's working well and it is demonstrating that people can do it and I definitely agree that it's much easier to do when everyone's doing it um, but maybe we'll enter an age where this becomes more of the norm particularly with people with long commutes maybe they work from work from home one day a week or that sort of thing um, I know we have quite a few uh, mothers at uh, Snapdragon and PLMR, and I think they are, um, it would seem, I may be unfairly speaking to them, uh, but it seems like they're sort of maybe taking a bit more of the lion's share of that side of things. And um, it will be interesting to see how uh, couples do sort of manage that um, that shift in now having to homeschool. I think I've never been more thankful that I don't have children because I just have to deal with myself. I think if I had to homeschool children now, I don't think I'd be able to cope. Um, yeah, parents are my new heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Ooh, I just, uh, yeah, I definitely um, just don't think I could do it. 
So, so kind I'm, of, I'm sorry. No, oh, no, I just, I'm hoping that the flex, the proof that flexible working works, mm. um, I'm really hoping allows people to, allows sort of people at board level, because that's really where the change needs to come from. Um, people at board level are understanding that, you know, if people can work flexibly during a pandemic, they can maybe shift their 40 hours a week to, you know, fit around a family lifestyle if they need to spend a day at home a week or, you know, that sort of thing. So hopefully sure. it will have very positive outcomes for working moving forward for sure um so i was just going to ask i'd be really interested to kind of hear both of your thoughts as hard as it is to kind of remember life before all of the coronavirus measures um what what do you think the um the maybe the barriers for women getting into your sector are in kind of you know take um pandemic aside what do you think really what would some change be that you'd quite like to see I do think one of the barriers um, in in the property sector has been um, flexible working for okay. women. Yeah, um, I do. I do think that is one of the main um, issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, the RCPI um, Women and Planning Research that's just been published for International Women's Day this year, um, that that came out as the main thing that there, there was um, cultural norms of sort of masculine behaviour in the workplace but also um a lack of a lack of flexible working and you know i've been hearing i'm i'm really lucky i've have always been able to work flexibly in um the job that i've 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 had and i've got really good it from um it kit from wolf and forest and i i did when i worked at, at turley previously um but i have been hearing horror stories of some some of the big real estate firms not having laptops for employees having desktops yeah it's crazy and 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 so when this all hit they 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 really weren't prepared for flexible working um so i'm i'm i think that has been a huge barrier the other thing that came out of that report was really just that i think what I don't, it's not a barrier, but it's something that's still happening, is, is, is that planning, you know, has always been held up as being slightly more socially conscious, shall we say, than the other parts of the wider property industry. But this report is showing it to be um, extremely sexist. Okay. Um, and whether that is like inappropriate comments or even um, going further. Um, and I think that, that that's really something that needs to change but whether that's a barrier of people coming in I think I think barrier probably is more the perception of the industry being quite male dominated and having these masculine cultures and norms of behavior really and I I think attracting women into the property industry where where it does have that that image is is hard um yeah Mm-hmm. And, and very difficult. And when you go to universities, from the research I've, I've done um, through Women in Planning, you know, most of your lecturers are are male. Um, mm. yeah. You're not really shown diversity at university um, at all. You're not really, you're, you're sort of, it, 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 it really just continues with those traditional ideas of what the industry is, a very masculine um place but mm-hmm. that, we know that's not true you know we're all talking now and there are lots of women that work in the industry it's just 
it's still not reflected in how we're possibly perceived beyond our own sort of Twitter sphere, yeah. <laughs> yeah. our own sort of um, circle. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I think that's I think that's a huge barrier because it just it just feels uncomfortable when when you join when you do feel like you might be the only woman in the room when you go to a meeting because all you ever see in the office is men in suits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you could see, you know, the change in MIPIM sort of 20, 15 years ago to MIPIM, you know, last year, uh, you know, sadly not this year, not taking place, but I think the the perceptions of who exactly goes to MIPIM and what people are discussing, and it's not, uh, you know, as I said before, the old boys club like it used to be, and I think it's, a, it's hard because the, I think the BPF, the British Property Federation, did a perception audit, I think it was quite recently, where they said um, they interviewed sort of members of the public and sort of stakeholders like journalists and MPs and stuff, and they, uh, the people surveyed sort of said that they saw the sector as male and wealthy and, you know, not necessarily something that... Uh, it didn't have a great perception in those kind of circles. And I think it's a shame. I think positive progress is being made... Um, but, it, and, you know, as can be seen by, you know, Charlotte's and I's experiences that we've discussed, but I think uh, it is still a challenge. a challenge, and I think and the, it's, still, um, it's still a challenge, it's still a problem that people face and that, uh, you know, the perception is that the industry is, is male. Um, in terms of the, the barriers, I think, uh, again, it comes back to sort of, family flexible working um also the assumptions that that's what you're that's what you're going to do i think uh do you end up going to your manager and saying i'm you know i'm family planning i would like to start a start a family in the next sort of five you know two three four five years mm-hmm. i think i i would never feel comfortable to have those discussions because you kind of immediately limit yourself in my mind you you sort of put yourself on a Put yourself on a shelf, a mothering shelf. And I think, yeah. you know, the assumptions that you are going to, you know, whether you are 25, 30, 35, at some point you are going to have children and therefore you have a shelf life. And I think that's, that's much more of a societal uh, problem rather than just the industry itself. But I think maybe there's, the, there's one of the reasons that you end up having that uh, board level, senior leadership level uh, issue um, I agree with women, you. Women managing to get there. Um, yeah. I think that's always something. I, I mean, I'm very pleased to have a a lovely female MD who is who is great at sort of pushing my career forward, and I've really learned a lot from her. But I don't necessarily think a lot of people have the same experiences with like a strong female um, mentor in the industry, and I think that coupled with you know maybe this sort of shelf life issue, um, you know, I think those are quite large barriers. I agree with you. I think the other one that you sort of touched on there to give it sort of its name is like unconscious bias. And I do think that exists. So the fact that you feel like you can't um, actually say that you want to plan for a family or something, if you you did want to do that um, in the first place, I think these sort of, um, I think attitudes attitudes and perceptions are, are a huge, huge barrier uh, for, for women. But like you said, not just in, in property, across everything. And they come from yeah. performance attribution to likability, maternal, and even things like infinity bias. So, you know, men might 
you know, get, give a promotion to somebody that they see as a mini them, mm. you know, a mini yeah. them, like, and, you know, you get an affinity bias and it's, it's not necessarily done intentionally, but it's like your friends, you generally get on with the people that, that are more like you or that sure. you have similar interests to. So, um, I do think that women are, are more likely to, to experience unconscious bias, um, in those ways. Um, and I do think that that is a, a huge issue. And then it's, 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 you know, it's almost double fold if you're BAME as well. Mm-hmm. You end up sort of with intersectionality issues or if you're a woman and you're LGBT. And, um, I think being able to feel your authentic self, um, in the industry possibly isn't 100% there yet. There is big changes. Yeah. Like we discussed, Mippin is, is getting better, but you know how many people outside of property know about Mippin? Um, yeah, you know, sure. and does it? And how many people know about sort of what we actually discuss? I mean, the reason why I love my job is the diversity of the different roles that you can do. So I'm in policy planning at the moment, but I have submitted applications and worked as a private sector planning consultant before with people like Rebecca on on, on schemes and. I've also done planning enforcement, which doesn't sound like the most glamorous of jobs, but it's still quite fun going around on site and like measuring up things. But sure. um, it's also the different people that you meet. So you've got communication specialists, you've got surveyors, you've got architects, engineers. And I love working across different departments at the authority. So working with public health on things or housing or property or regen and, and the business team. And um, I don't think that that diversity of what we actually do and um, what what role you can play within within the industry is is, is really um, known by you know Joe Bloggs on the street, and it's really hard to get across because it's quite complicated. We there is such a diversity and plethora of roles within property. Mm-hmm. How would you explain that to somebody succinctly? Um, it'd be quite difficult. You know, you can work in so many different um, sectors within it and different sort of guises. Um, and I think that's that's something that's just really, really hard to get across to people. Yeah. And I think that kind of comes back to the how do we encourage people from, you know, a range of socioeconomic and racial backgrounds into the property industry. I mean, as we said, we both kind of just fell into, fell into the industry. And how do we uh, sort of market uh, planning and the built environment to people who uh, don't know it exists. So our sort of 16, 12-year-old selves. Um, and I think one one thing that I, I'm uh, personally trying to do is go into sort of go into schools and uh, I have quite a few friends that are teachers and whenever they have sort of a careers fair day, I you know make sure I put my name down so that I can talk to people about the world of planning and and what we do and I think one of the things that I also like about our job is kind of the legacy side of things so when you see schemes that have actually come to fruition that you've worked on and there's a a solar farm scheme that I'm very proud of and uh, down the M5 so every time we go and visit my husband's family uh, down in Devon we always drive past it and I think trying to get children and young people into the idea of sort of legacy and how they can shape an area and how they can be interested in architecture or you know the technical aspects of what we do and I think trying to get people to understand what our job is 
is quite difficult, but something that's absolutely necessary to ensure that we continue that you know range of diversity that we've seen coming into the industry over particularly the last sort of five years or so. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, I would agree. Sorry, um, I would agree. I would just say that when you're going into schools, um, doing a career fairs is great. I think I think the problem for planning is is people assume that we go in through geography, and um, yeah. And and we don't um, generally actually. They're more interested in us when they're sort of doing their society or civic studies stuff um, and about the politics of it. So more of the stuff that you get involved in, Rebecca, than yeah. and some of it. So those sort of social justice um, types of debates. And um, but it, it, going into school is absolutely crucial. But I don't think it's something the property or or planning have really really cracked because it, it teaches a hard to get hold of and already <laughs> got so much to cram into a day um yeah. trying to sort of fit different things in about different careers is is quite difficult but i i do something that do you think it's something that everybody needs to put a bit more resource and a bit more effort into and i find it really annoying when you know the ricf the rcpl reba are going and doing doing their own things in schools and really actually we should be going in together across the whole, like the whole spectrum of yeah. the industry and and um, grabbing people. I do think initiatives like Regeneration Brainery are great, where um, they're offering opportunities to sort of shadow um, different industry experts and find out a bit more. But um, they, they come quite late in the day, and I do think you do have to get people early. So they come in about sort of maybe A-level um, yeah. level, um, age group. Um, and, and they have had success in getting um, disadvantaged, um, sort of, not disadvantaged, but a wider socio-economic background into internships. And that seems to be being quite successful. But I do think we have to get them at a younger age inspired and um, also to realise that if they are inspired by that, that they don't necessarily have to go off and do geography. They can do you know, history and then history of art and, and, and still be a planner, it's quite a broad, yeah. a broad thing. Or, you know, you could do something like English literature or English language and then or politics going to communications and still be involved in planning. I think it's, yeah. it's showing all the different pathways and it's quite... We're quite open-minded about who we let into the industry, <laughs> you know. We'll take anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not... Yeah, but it's not that, but, you know different though it's so wide you're dealing with sort of yeah, things that can be quite social and social sciences or things that are actually quite environmental sciences and quite technical but there's quite a lot in between and as you've said communication is so key mm-hmm. um it's, it's it's so broad and what and how you could get into into planning and into property yeah absolutely and i think one of the things that we've noticed on we've done a lot of uh schemes that involve um young people and we've worked with teachers to have sort of uh, a bit of people coursework as um, uh, designing, uh, designing for a project, project, working on uh, an aspect of uh, the project with the consultation team. And I think uh, young people, children and young people are so engaged when you ask the right questions and you give them a voice and you want to speak to them. Um, and we've, we're working with the student council uh, of a school that we're we're working on and um they asked some of the most insightful questions that i've ever heard at an exhibition and they were really engaged and 
thoroughly enthusiastic and I think Great. one of them um, went up to a colleague and said, oh, you know, how did you do this? This sounds really cool. I want to do this as a job. And it was really, really interesting. And I think getting getting young people excited at that stage, even uh, particularly on the scheme that impacts them, obviously it piques their interest a bit more. But um, hopefully if we're able to do more of these things as projects move forward, then that's also another way to get um, people at an early stage. For sure. Um, so kind of on that point then, just to close up this conversation, you know, it's been so interesting to hear both of your thoughts on all of these different elements, especially for me, as obviously I work um, sometimes with you, Rebecca, and other colleagues in planning at PLMR, but it's not my speciality. So it's really kind of um, a lot to think about of how our different spheres are in some ways very similar and also to learn about the differences. I think just to close out, it would be really great to hear from both of you um, you know, what would you say to a younger woman or girl who might be interested in kind of getting into property and planning? You know, really, what what is it about the industry that you both have loved so much to stick around and would encourage others to get involved with? And um, I tell them to do it. <laughs> get in, go and study planning or um, a property based um, degree, or or do an apprenticeship and get paid mm. while you do it. Um, what I would say is I, I actually think, you know, we've, we've made it sound some of it quite negative, but it is a really friendly community and group of people uh, that work in the industry. And what I've really liked about it is the friends um, and network that I've built up over the last 10 years um, and will continue to build up. They're some of the friendliest, most fun people. And I don't know many other industries that necessarily have that same... Um, same sort of social social sort of side of it as, as we do. Property is very social. Um, yeah. It's very much about people skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, as I've said before, the diversity of it all, you know, sometimes the diversity of it all can, can make my head spin a little bit if I'm trying to sort of work on housing and employment at the same time as doing something on culture. But mm-hmm. um, there's, 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 there's so much you can get involved with. There's, you know... There's so much that's interesting to be, um, so many interesting projects that you could be doing. You know, when I was in the private sector, I was doing laboratories and hospitals. Um, now I'm doing like, you know, a, a long-term spatial strategy for where all the new homes and new jobs should go. Um, I just think that's incredibly exciting to be able to shape an area like that. And as Rebecca said, the the, the legacy of it all is is really um, exciting, and I think something that that's starting to appeal to the younger generation. I think it, I feel that I'm in a fortunate position where I probably can do something about climate change, and I can make sure that it, we Wolfen Forest is more resilient through the local plan and through the policies that we put forward. Um, and I feel like I can have a wider impact on on society, and I think if we can. I would say that to somebody younger, Mm. you know, all of these issues that you think we're going through and you think we've not been responsible on, well, you have an opportunity through through this profession to to make changes and ensure that things are done properly and, you know, um, buildings account for 40% of our carbon. Um, 
uh, output. So, mm. you know, there's a huge challenge coming forward about retrofitting and things like that. So there's, there's so much you can get involved with and it, it's really an exciting time to be doing it because I think we're on the cusp of, of some really big innovation, um, you know, using technology and I think the innovation that's coming out of COVID-19 in terms of doing community engagement is, is a really interesting one um, and doing digital planning committees and, and that sort of legislation going through the yeah. House of Lords today or yesterday. Um, I think that's really exciting. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. And what about you, Rebecca? Yeah, I would agree. Do it and do it <laughs> as quickly as you can. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things I love about my job is it's not just office-based. I go out and speak to so many different people on such a different range of topics. And a bit like Charlotte, I've worked on so many different um, types of buildings and types of developments uh, all across the country. Um, and I just think it's a really uh, impactful way to make your sort of small bit of difference. And, you know, I mentioned earlier the renewable energy projects that I worked on, and I'd say that's some of the proudest work that I've been able to deliver because it's still, it to me, that's making a lasting impact on our, not only our sort of energy infrastructure, but I guess more holistically the globe um, and it makes me feel uh, particularly good about the work that I deliver um, and I, I agree with Charlotte's point about sort of a very friendly uh, positive community um, particularly uh, you know when I go to the events organized by women in planning it's a very welcoming space um, and I think one of the big uh, takeaways from women in planning in particular is that men are also invited we're a very, you know it's a very welcoming event and I think we can't do, we can't get gender equality without both genders, well, all genders, uh, being involved in that sort of movement. And I think sure. um, that's also a key point that we need. But yes, a very, uh, it's a very interesting, unique and diverse job. Uh, and I would encourage a lot of people to uh, explore avenues to getting involved. That's brilliant. Well, thank you both so much for your time and all this insightful discussion. It's certainly a lot for me to kind of go away and think about. And I'm sure we'll all be looking out for some of the more digital events um, that we can see over the coming months for however long we might be in the current situation we're in now. But I'd just like to say again, thank you both very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.